This is the Week in Addiction Medicine, a podcast resource of timely news and top stories brought to you by the American Society of Addiction Medicine, ASAM. Today's Tuesday, February 20th, and I'm Claire Rasmussen. Our lead story this week, overdose mortality incidents and supervised consumption services in Toronto, Canada, is in The Lancet Public Health. Between 2017 and 2019, nine safe consumption sites were implemented in Toronto. During this period, there were 787 overdose deaths. And in the 15 neighborhoods within 500 meters of a safe consumption site, overdose deaths decreased by 67%. The authors conclude that safe consumption sites result in significant reductions in overdose deaths in surrounding neighborhoods. Next, we have a study in drug and alcohol dependence titled National and Regional Trends in Seizures of Shrooms in the United States, 2017 to 2022. In this study, the authors looked at trends in law enforcement seizures as a marker for availability and demand of psilocybin. They found a 368% increase in number of seizures and a 2,749% increase in weight of psilocybin seized between 2017 and 2022. The increase in seizures likely represents an increase in non-medical use. Our next study in Morbidity and Mortality Weekly Report is titled Comparison of Administration of 8mg and 4mg Intranasal Naloxone by Law Enforcement During Response to Suspected Opioid Overdose. Given evidence of the need for multiple doses of naloxone to reverse overdoses due to synthetic opioids, it was suggested that higher concentration of initial doses were needed. In response, 8 mg of naloxone were approved, and this retrospective study evaluates outcomes in New York, where law enforcement was provided either 4 mg or 8 mg formulations. The study did not find any differences in survival, number of doses administered, post-administration combativeness, or hospital transport refusal between the two formulations. The study outcomes do not support a need for higher concentration formulation. Our next study in the Journal of Addiction Medicine is titled Buprenorphine Receipt and Retention for Opioid Use Disorder Following an Initiative to Increase Access in Primary Care. The Veterans Health Administration implemented a program to expand access in primary health clinics and evaluate factors associated with initiation and retention on buprenorphine. Overall, 11% of patients with OUD were initiated on buprenorphine, and of those, 58% were retained in treatment at 180 days. In the multivariate model, persons with alcohol use disorder, non-opioid use disorder, or serious mental illness were less likely to be initiated on buprenorphine. The study demonstrates an ongoing need to expand access to buprenorphine and interventions to address disparities. Next, we have a study in the American Journal of Drug and Alcohol Abuse titled Opioid-Induced Hypergonadism and Opioid Use Disorder, Its Role in Negative Reinforcement and Implications for Treatment and Retention. This perspective article highlights the striking parallels between symptom domains of hypercatathia and hypogonadism in males. The authors propose that future research and clinical care should focus on the identification and treatment of opioid-induced hypogonadism in opioid use disorder patients to help address poor treatment retention. 
Our next article in Health Affairs is titled Prevention, the Missing Link in Our Efforts to Support Families Impacted by the Opioid Epidemic. This article discusses the Northwest Center for Family Support in Washington State, which aims to increase access to treatments for the families of people receiving services for opioid use disorder. The center works with opioid treatment programs, behavioral health agencies, and others, and offers training for providers in delivering family-friendly services. The authors note that staffing is a significant barrier, with staff already struggling to meet a rise in mental health symptoms. The authors call for improved funding as well as efforts to reduce stigma. Next, we have an article in the American Journal of Preventative Medicine titled Relationships Between Alcohol Policies and Infant Morbidities and Injuries. Overall, 3.1% of infants born between 2006 and 2019 had a morbidity associated with alcohol use during pregnancy, and 2.1% had an injury. States with a government monopoly on liquor sales had decreased morbidities and injuries. Allowing liquor sales in gas stations increased morbidities and injuries. The authors conclude that state policies that expand alcohol availability were associated with infant morbidities and injuries. The next article in JAMA is titled Trends in Out-of-Pocket Costs for and Characteristics of Pharmacy Dispensed Naloxone by Payer Type. This study examined the mean yearly out-of-pocket cost for naloxone-dispensed retail pharmacies. Price negotiations, market competition, and shifts in pharmacy benefit designs for insurance-paid prescriptions may have lowered OOP costs between 2018 and 2022. Costs continue to vary by payer. High OOP costs among assistance prescriptions were associated with brand name naloxone. Higher OOP cost was also observed among individuals aged 65 or older. This concludes today's episode of This Week in Addiction Medicine. Remember to subscribe to the ASAM Weekly for more exclusive content and our editor's commentary delivered every Tuesday. Be sure to check us out on social media and asam.org. Thanks for listening. We'll be back next week.